and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. I hope you're doing well. Um, I am. I've just moved into a new place in Clapham. So if you hear sirens, then you know where they've come from because London has a lot more sirens than Dorset, apparently. Now, this episode of the podcast will be talking about The School of Life, which was the book that was used for the book club this month just gone. And it was all right. To be fair, there are parts of it that are amazing, a part of it that bored me senseless, but there are some amazing parts in there that I'm going to talk about in this episode. But before we get into that, just talk about the sponsors of the podcast. So the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people around the world. They have literally just given away $3 million worth of therapy through a collaboration they did with Ariana Grande. So they are doing amazing things now if you yourself think you could do with ciphering through some of the problems in your life whether that's trust issues relationship issues problems with organization or any emotional turmoil that you go through that you feel maybe you need a little bit more stability on then chatting to a therapist will be perfect for you if you go through the questionnaire through going through the link in the description within 48 hours you'll be put in touch with a therapist and they'll be matched to suit your needs. If you don't like that therapist, you can select another one, no problem. So the link for that is www.betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you'll get 10% off with that link. But with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. So the school of life is by a bloke called Alan de Botton. He was born in Switzerland, but he's British and he's a philosopher and he's a blatantly very, very intelligent and his book shows that off in a somewhat pretentious way. But I think if you're a philosopher, it's hard to avoid seeming pretentious to people that aren't down in the realms of philosophy, as it were. It wasn't quite as difficult to read as something like Meditations from Marcus Aurelius or books from Old Stoics because obviously he's a modern day philosopher. He wants to add a little bit of spice in there. So he swears every now and then. He talks about sort of things that are relevant to now. The book is split up into five different parts. So you've got the self, others, relationships, work and culture. I mean, we all go and have experience with all of those things. So I'm going to start off with self and others. And self is obviously very important. And some people, when they feel depressed or when they feel anxious or when they have any sort of mental health trouble, do often report feeling like they are not themselves. And it's important, essentially, to get to know yourself. And in the book, he highlights something that Socrates said. And Socrates was an old Stoic philosopher, ancient Greece type, um, for those who aren't familiar with that. And he boiled down the whole wisdom of philosophy into two simple words. And they were quite literally, know yourself. And Socrates was also the guy that essentially says that he doesn't know anything as well. So maybe he's not that trustworthy. But he says, I'm wise not because I know, but because I know I don't know. And there is something in that, like when you accept that you don't really know that much, it can light a fire in you. It can make you want to learn more. It's about sort of accepting that you can never know it all, but you can try your best, you know? 
other parts he talks about how vulnerable sort of humans are as kids and, and how in our formative years things can impact us and i'd say humans generally like we're, we're pretty shit in comparison to other mammals who take only two years to be fully grown or two or three years until they can leave their parent or guardian and like kids nowadays i've just permanently moved out of home now and i'm 26 if i was an antelope my mum probably would have killed me by now and when you think about that like without the support of of carers or or parents whether or not your parents or carers were actually that supportive in your childhood we would be fucked imagine if at two years old your mum's like right see you later into the world so the impact that like childhood can have on you he puts it down to this he essentially says that childhood is a gentle open prison that you're in because you're not in control of it you're not really in control of what happens to you until you're maybe 16, 17, 18, who knows what. Maybe you left home earlier than that. Um, and and it made me think, this part about trauma passed down through sort of generations. And, and my generation are hot on the whole trauma from parents. And I'm sure there are some parents out there that would take offence to it. But like, obviously any parents listening, like you can't change what you did or didn't do when you were trying to nurture this child. And that trauma, it can come from school or otherwise. And for people that want to have the chats with their parents about traumas or pass down sort of pass down traits that they've got from their parents from growing up, just try and be compassionate because people are trying their best most of the time. There are, of course, going to be exceptions. And I'm, I'm speaking from my experience here, which is probably different to a lot of people's. But I think as a general rule, a little bit of compassion when thinking about your parents is, is probably a good thing. But then again, there are some parents who are outright shitbags, so that might not count for them. One interesting part of the book, now I'll explain, the book is split into obviously subtitles of those self, others, relationships, blah, blah, blah. Within those, they have smaller little parts. So he, he talks about things like self deception emotional health uh, psychotherapy that i'll come through in a moment and he talks about self-deception and I, and I put something of this on instagram the other day that we lie to ourselves essentially and we're all addicts in our own way and addiction of course doesn't have to be drugs it can be anything that you do to avoid the parts of yourself that you don't like and maybe i'll put this down to drugs now like drinking when you're out to avoid what what part of yourself don't you like that you're trying to avoid by numbing it or enhancing the parts that you do like through alcohol? Is it like being shy, being timid or anxious? People do it not with alcohol. People go on their phones for the same reason. When anyone feels socially awkward or bored, they just reach for their phone. But if you sat with that boredom or you sat with that shyness, you never know what you're going to uncover and it would probably be a good thing. Like we lie to ourselves. There are some people that will say that psychology is nonsense and it doesn't really apply to them. But like those people may never realize that they're liars or lying to themselves. But psychology as a general rule does apply to most people because that's the whole point in it. They do studies to make sure that things are accurate. Emotional health. I was going to speak about this and he says essentially here that self-love 
is just about how much we can be friends with ourselves. Think of all the things that your friends do that you'd be concerned for them about, or you'd want them to maybe sort of check their behavior if they're, if they're behaving badly. And I don't mean behaving badly like a child that needs to be sort of reprimanded. I just mean when you're an adult, people do things, they drink heavily, they'll be super fucking lazy, self-destructive in their own rights. And if you had a friend like that, if they were a true friend, you would tell them how you feel about it and you would tell them that you're concerned for them. But would people do that with themselves? I sometimes give myself a hard time and I'm not really sure if it's the right thing to do, but I'm treating myself as if I was my friend. And if I was talking to my friend about something that I thought they might want to address, then I would ask for permission first to be like, hey, look, can I speak freely with you for a moment about your life, which of course I don't know that much about, but from an outsider's point of view. And it's helped me have some really powerful conversations with friends and hopefully helpful ones as well. Now, the last part in the self chapter is a huge part in psychotherapy. And by huge, I just mean it's like it's really important. It's not it's not a huge amount of pages, but it is really, really important. And I'll, I'll leave it with one thing here, because I always talk about therapy and I'll tell people to go to therapy forever. And therapy is an invention devised to correct the substantial difficulties we face, understanding others, trusting others, communicating successfully, honouring our potential, feeling adequately confident, authentic, direct or unashamed. All of those things are pretty desirable, right? And I know I've already done the ad for better help and maybe you skip through that because maybe that's what you do. But go to therapy, uncover some stuff that may initially be uncomfortable but will pay dividends back for the rest of your life. Now on to the next part, and that is about others. And that starts off by talking about kindness and the charity of interpretation. And he doesn't mean charity in a sense of, oh, I give money to this charity each month. It means about charity with others, which is essentially giving someone something that they cannot attain themselves. And maybe that's compassion. Maybe that's forgiveness. Maybe that is just a ear to lend to them so they can talk but the charity of interpretation essentially means when you boil it down that all you can do with someone is try and be compassionate because you have no idea what's going on in their life and also who is to say that you haven't done all the same shitty things that they've done we can't condemn people for their wrongdoing because we've all like lost our temper. We've all lied. We've all done shitty things in our lives. And maybe you'll be there thinking, oh, I've never done anything bad in my life. So, well, I don't believe you. That's basically what it is. Another part of it is about the weakness of strength. And the strongest people also have the strongest weaknesses. And this should be considered. Think about like your tyrannical boss or someone with authority in your life who is basically just a bit of an evil bastard think about them do you really think that they're super super strong super strong-headed super on it all the time super happy super hard-headed they're probably not they probably hurt somewhere deeply and they've just switched it off and become a little bit evil there's a really nice story in the book and it's about a shepherd boy essentially he's walking along with a sheep and all of a sudden there's a lion standing about 10 feet away from him the lion is snarling it looks angry and he's thinking great well i'm about to get eaten and when he noticed how angry the lion was but he wasn't attacking him he saw a thorn in the lion's paw so he 
tentatively walks up to the lion and, and pulls the thorn out of his paw. And the lion licks his hand and, and walks off. And that story is essentially meant to encourage you to think of others' thorns. What thorns do you have in your hands that make you angry? What trigger you? What thorns maybe the people that have been dickheads to you have stuck in their paws? And I'm not saying it's your responsibility to take it out, but it's worth taking note of that. And a final bit on others is politeness versus frankness. Now, there's an old French philosopher. I mean old, I mean dead. His name's Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and he explains politeness as essentially nothing more than inauthenticity. And frankness, of course, just being telling the truth. And there is a risk when you're super, super frank of being a little bit righteous. And I think I run the risk of, of this sometimes. I do consider myself quite righteous, although that I know that I don't know. I sometimes get confused. And it's a weird one. I think it's better to be frank and honest and tell people exactly how it is you're feeling because then you know how they feel about you and whether or not you need to communicate on a daily basis or whatever it is. Um, and politeness, sometimes when people email me being too polite, I'm like, right, what do you want? Why are you being so nice to me? Why can't you just tell me how it is? I much prefer people to just tell it how it is. But that's my way of communicating. And that's where the righteousness comes in because I think I'm right about that. But in reality, who actually knows? There is a last part. It's about worrying whether people like us or not. And that is something that I think we all are guilty of. And people just wait to see if they're liked by someone before being vulnerable. And this is what it made me think of is everyone has trust issues, right? So you're waiting to be vulnerable to be known if you're liked. But how do you know if someone likes you unless you're vulnerable about how you feel or who you are? So you have to be able to show your vulnerability first to be liked more and then have deeper connections. And if you're not quite understanding that, think of dogs. Dogs lay down on their back to show they're submissive. And that is displaying a level of vulnerability in dog language. So that's definitely worth thinking about. Now, what else is worth thinking about is getting into meditation. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Now, that may sound all fancy, but from my experience, in which I've been using Headspace daily for the last 440 days at the time of recording this, it is a brilliant way to get some space into your day. If you struggle with your sleep, they have sleep meditations. If you struggle with anxiety, they've got anxiety meditations. If you need to draw more happiness into your life, there are meditations and courses on happiness. Headspace essentially just makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you whenever you feel like it. Now, you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com forward slash need to read that is headspace.com forward slash need to read for a one month free trial and that comes with access to the full library of headspace meditations for every situation that is the best deal offered right now so head to headspace.com slash need to read so back to the book this part is about relationships and you'll all be in relationships, maybe not with a lover or a partner, but you'll definitely have friendships that are worth talking about. But this is mostly about love 
uh, in relationship, which seems to be Alan de Botton's forte because he has written a book called Essays on Love and that sold over 2 million copies, which is a lot for a book. Um, there is one table in this part of the book that is worth noting and it talks about your partner's tricky behaviour and what a childlike response would be and a more adult response that we should aim for would be. So I'm going to go through the partner's tricky behaviour. So there's raising voice. So a childlike response from someone would be, oh, it's all my fault. And if someone else raises their voice and you want to be an adult about it, you should just say in your head, this is their issue. I don't have to feel bad. Now, when your partner is patronising you, a childlike response on our part would be to think, oh, I'm stupid. And then an adult response would be, there are lots of kinds of intelligence, mine is fine. So, fuck you. That's not in the book. That's that's my added thing. Overbearingness. So, someone just being a bit overpowering, a bit threatening. A childlike response is essentially just accepting it and feeling like you deserve it. And a more adult response that we should aim for is, I'm not intimidated by you. And look, if someone is overbearing, if someone is abusing you, then there are resources for that online that I don't know about. But please go and find them because you do not deserve it, whatever it is. Um, and a partner's tricky behavior of just being distracted or a little bit preoccupied. And a childlike behavior would essentially just be attention seeking. Like, oh, notice me, notice me. And an adult would just be like, hey, you're busy. That's cool. I'm busy too. Um that's all right. So that's that's worth trying to aim for, is essentially being a little bit more adult in our relationships when it comes to communication. And one of my sort of newfound strengths in relationships is communication. Even if it comes to a point that I'm saying something to Lauren that I think she might take the wrong way or might her inner child might sort of flare up as a thing and I'm not saying that because of her specifically I just mean everyone has an inner child that flares up in arguments right and if I say something about something I'm anxious about or something that concerns me in my past relationships I would, I would never have said something because of fear of pissing them off and, and fear of this and fear of that which essentially then turns into resentment from just not speaking your truth which is of course very very important to do is speaking your truth so just openly communicate because I am now, and I'm not trying to brag here, in like the deepest sort of connection I've ever had in a relationship. And that is through pure vulnerability. All of the cake and the fucking crumbs. And it's nice to be accepted for that with that vulnerability. And of course, sometimes people won't accept that. But at least you'll know if they don't accept that, that they're not accepting you for who you are. And that's nothing to do with you. That is all to do with them and them not being right for you or you not being right for each other. I am speaking from experience here and it's obviously my experience and yours may be different. But just communicate properly. You both have children inside of you that want to respond to things in a certain way. But you have to search for your adult responses. And you have to be able to be vulnerable with your partner. Otherwise, what's the point? It, like a partnership or a relationship is essentially the coming together of two people being like, hey, 
I think you're really cool. You think I'm really cool. We should work on having a relationship together and we should be a team. You gas me up, I gas you up. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about for me anyway, is being in that sort of team partnership kind of thing with someone. And I think open and honest communication is the quickest way to get there. You can catapult your relationship by asking important questions that other people won't answer. Whilst we're on the subject of Alan de Botton, he does have these things on Amazon. You can get them on Amazon, you can get them probably elsewhere, called Know Yourself Cards, and they're journal prompts. And I've already spoken in podcasts about having corona, but Lauren had it at the same time. And we just went through these cards that were meant to be quite personal for people to write down in their journals. And we just asked each other the questions and some of them are really, really intense. But I left that conversation knowing that I saw something super, super long-term with her because I saw the display of vulnerability from her and I was comfortable enough to display the vulnerability myself. So if you want a deeper connection with your partner, go to Amazon or go wherever you want. Who cares about Jeff Bezos? And just get these cards. They're called Know Yourself Cards, The School of Life. There's loads of other ones. There's ones for sex if you're into that. Little sexy questions. Um, But they're really, really good. So another interesting part in the book when he talks about love is he talks about partner as child. Now, most of the time, not all, of course, but most of the time, mothers and fathers love their children and they'll do anything for them and they don't take it seriously when they say that the children say that they hate them or they storm out or they're little bratty shit bags. They just get on with it and they continue to love them and continue to nurture them and continue to want the best for them. People aren't like that with their partners. People don't let them have their little bratty moments, which of course will come up probably more often than not you have to be able to like say like this is unconditional of course maybe they cheat on you maybe they do something bad maybe they murder your mum that I would say you could add a condition on that but most children don't murder their mums so looking at your partner as if they're a child not in a sense that you need to treat them childishly or treat them as if you're a parent but it's just being able to reach the same level of compassion and understanding as that most people treat children with. And I thought that was a really interesting way to look at things. Now, when it comes to being partners, obviously you're going to have an argument. And it says that most people in relationships have up to 30 to 50 serious arguments per year. So if you're having arguments, wouldn't be that worried about it. Now, when it comes to arguments, some of them stem from affairs. An affair is essentially a love or sexual story between two people. One of them, at least, is committed to someone else. And essentially affairs are pretty disastrous. But they do come down to something. Somebody has been unattentive. Someone has been controlling. There is maybe there are I was going to say just then that there are no sort of guilt free parties in the fair but obviously there are 
but the relationship might have been fucked well before the affair. And essentially, the affair's already happened way before they've touched someone else. And there is a whole chapter of about five or six pages on this subject. And if you want to know how to sort of reduce the risk of affairs, if you need to have an honest conversation with someone about how you're feeling and how the way that you're feeling isn't actually a good thing, then you should communicate like this. So I sometimes feel frustrated with you when. It sounds pretty proper. It sounds very uh, to the point, and that is exactly what it is. Or you could say to someone, oh, I'd love you to realize that you hurt me when you insert whatever it is. One of the hardest things for you to understand about me is that's when you don't feel understand and not feeling understood is such a common downfall in relationships. And being able to communicate that directly, pragmatically and being willing to be sort of the listener when you get the answer is so, so important. Or if you feel unappreciated, if you're cooking dinners every night for someone and they're not saying thank you, just be like, what I'd love you to appreciate about me is I cook all your fucking dinners. There are loads of ways. Look at non-violent communication. Non-violent communication, I think I've spoken about in podcasts before, and he doesn't mention it specifically in this book, but it's a way of communicating that essentially won't avoid all arguments, but if two mature parties head into this conversation, then it will go a lot better than just projecting on someone. And it's just saying, when you do X, it makes me feel like Y. X and Y, obviously representative of whatever you want to put in there. And that's the start of it. It's very, very simple. And if someone can't respond well to that, then maybe it's worth looking into. One thing he does mention about affairs and think about affairs, like people will be on their high horse about affairs or there'll be people who have had an affair, who have then been remorseful, who have then completely changed themselves as a person, i.e. Ed Cunningham. There was This was years ago. I actually spoke about it in a podcast once, but maybe there are some new listeners. So one time I was a cheating shitbag. And there's nothing I can do about it now. Just live my new truth and live with authenticity now and just never do that again. Because trust me, it's not worth the guilt, the shame. There are so many things attached to it that are just not worth putting yourself through. So if you are, I hope you're not, but if you are thinking of having an affair or cheating on your partner, just don't do it. I know it sounds simple, but I just wouldn't bother. It'll put so much strain on your life that it will just be completely unnecessary. However, obviously, sometimes you do have to lie. Don't lie about big things, but a little white lie is not that bad. Now, Plato, one of the OGs in philosophy, outlined an idea that he called the just lie. Much like just war, it's essentially someone's way of validating something because it's okay to do. So let's say someone comes into your house and they look furious and they go, where's the axe? Well, you can lie to them because you're saving face for other people. Maybe even literally saving someone's face from contact with an axe. So sometimes it's okay to lie. I read Sam Harris's book on lying once and went through a stage of telling absolutely no lies. And it's difficult to do and it does create some difficult conversations. Sometimes it's better to just drop a little white lie in there. 
but only a little lie. Okay, now that's sorted. There's one other bit here in terms of like the behavior of people, and there's an argument type called the spoiling argument. And it's essentially when one part of a relationship is really, really insecure, and you just try and shatter the spirits of someone else. Something they're putting their all into, you tell them it's shit. You try and make them feel worse than what they're doing. If you feel jealous that they feel happy, you then try and spoil that to bring them down to your level, which is pathetic. And people shouldn't do it, but people do. And those people need therapy. Like, urgently. Because it's not okay to do that. You can't just go and spoil other people's happiness just because you feel like shit. That is not okay. And look, if if you do feel like someone's got something wrong with them, even if they're really happy, people aren't going to change if they're just told what's wrong with them. People feel change when they feel sufficiently supported to undertake the change that they already know is due. You telling them something when they're all happy in their own little world and just being a knob to them isn't going to make it better. So there are two other chapters on this book and they're on work and they're on culture and I didn't find them that interesting, if I'm honest, but it might be something that you're into. So I will briefly read out some of the chapter titles to see if it's something that you'd be interested in. Consumer Society. Artists and Supermarket Tycoons. Specialisation. Imposter Syndrome. The Dangers of the Good Child. There's a lot in there. Some of it was good. Some of it just had me completely disinterested. But generally, with the book, to to round this up before we get into the book, Doctor, and the philosophical thought of the week, the main message I got from the book is that we're all a little bit fucked, right? And we can see that in other people, so we should be compassionate. And that's probably the main thing that I took from the School of Life. If you're going to read it, I would suggest taking it 10 pages a day. Because honestly, otherwise, there'll just be too much to think about. And I left it until about three days before I did the book club Zoom with this one. Because sometimes we just like to make lives difficult for ourselves. And it was hard. It was a hard time of reading. And I'm still trying to get my head around some of the concepts So although it is good and I appreciate that it's a good book, it was hard to read. But with that in mind, we're going to get into two things. Firstly, the philosophical thought of the week, and then we'll do a little bit of Book Doctor. And I thought it would only be apt to use Alan de Botton as the philosopher for this. And I thought it was quite a nice thought, although some people might take it the wrong way. Anyone who isn't embarrassed of who they were last year probably isn't learning enough. Now, there are going to be some people that take offence to that. And there will be some people that won't. Those that won't are learning enough. Those that are embarrassed by that or take offence to it, you're not learning enough. And sometimes we can be a little bit soft on ourselves. Sometimes we can be a little bit hard on ourselves. I think when it comes to learning and developing yourself, it should be something you aim to add into your every day because it just adds so much fulfilment into your life. And it's so worth doing. So just think about that. Anyone who isn't embarrassed of who they were last year probably isn't learning enough. So 
Book Doctor time. Please send your submissions to a need to read dot podcast at gmail.com for the book doctor. I will send you a book, I will send you a book bag, and I will send you a bookmark and a thank you card for being such a good sport. So please do it. I hope you're enjoying this part of it, but let's get into it. Hi Ed. Um my name is Sinead and I'm 21 from Ireland. Okay, the issue that I'm having that I need help from the book doctor is I am really, really struggling to deal with uncertainty. Um, so my best friend that I've been living with for the past two years is moving to Spain in August for college. And I'm going into my final year of university in September. Um, so I'm going to have to move out and move a bit closer to university. But the thing is, it might all happen that it's going to be all online. And then oh, it's just it's making me really, really nervous because I, I can't plan. So what I was wondering from the book doctor, could you help me with a book just to deal with uncertainty and accepting that I don't know everything that's going to happen and that's OK. I would really appreciate your help. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Sinead, for being a good sport and getting involved. It is ledge that people keep sending emails in and using the book doctor thing. Obviously, I'm not a real doctor. Um, I've had to go to Google for this one, and I've done some searching. I personally would say A New Earth is great for things like this in terms of uncertainty, in terms of that sometimes in life you just need to let go and you'll be free of all of this uncertainty. Um, but I've also found Susan Jeffers, the author of one of my favorite books, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. She has a book called Embracing in Uncertainty, which, of course, sounds like maybe that's what you need to do. So Embracing Uncertainty and A New Earth. So if you can email me your postal address and I will send you some bookmarks, a book bag and probably a voucher for the books, because otherwise it costs so much to send to Ireland because that's where you said you're from but yeah thank you so much that is the end of the podcast that was the podcast on the school of life by alan devon an emotional education hopefully you've got enough information from that to either be like yeah i don't need to read that or i'd love to read that you're all absolute legends i can't thank you enough for continuing to come back and listening don't forget all of the links that are relevant to the podcast better help link for therapy if that's what you're looking for you get 10% off with that and the new sponsor which I'm so excited about is Headspace that is headspace.com forward slash need to read and I'm so passionate about meditation and therapy it is just amazing to me that they want to get behind the podcast which is beautiful essentially I am so happy and I'm going to say it pretty proud of myself and that has been a long time coming and it's taken a lot of work to get there. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about things with the podcast and the way it's moving. And that is made possible by all of you who listen. So thank you so much. You're absolute legends. I love you all. Love you. Bye.